called to worship God in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the theme. Called to worship God in the name of the Lord Jesus. Four thoughts. In the first place, an infinite God. We said, called to worship God. Who is he? We have to say something about that. Because if we don't know who God is, how can we give thanks? Secondly, corporate worship. It talks about singing to another together. In the third place, the holy calling. Let the word and whatsoever you do, do it all. And in the fourth place, in Jesus' name. And give thanks to God and the Father by him. Call to worship God in the name of the Lord Jesus, an infinite God, corporate worship, a holy calling in Jesus' name. Congregation, today is Thanksgiving's Day, and we have come together to give thanks to God and to encourage one another to render thanks to God. And we sing unto God and to one another, we read. You know, why do we come together? What is a worship service for? A worship service is buried for the conversion of sinners, that hopefully people are pricked in their hearts and drawn out of the darkness and brought to the marvelous light of God and be saved from the wrath. This is one purpose of a worship service. Another one is that God's people persevere and for their perseverance they need to come together into church to keep it up, to maintain the work. We come together to comfort the poor ones and the needy ones because there's only one comfort in life and death. We come together for the edification of the church and to proclaim the gospel. But the most, the most important reason why we come together on Sundays and on a day like this is to glorify God, to worship Him, to dwell on God's glory. So we need to know who God is. We need to let it sink in a little bit this morning. So the children know the story of Moses, that Moses was at the burning bush. He saw something burning. He saw flames and he approached that place. And the Lord spoke to him, remember? And the Lord asked him to go to the Israelites, to Egypt, to deliver them. And Moses said unto God, Behold, then I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, what's his name? 
What shall I say unto them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. I am. So the Lord calls himself, I am that I am. And that means that God is infinitely more important than anything else. Infinitely more important than salvation. More important than forgiveness. More important than comfort. More important than conversion. It is, it is about God. And we read it in the Bible. The Lord has made all things for himself. So when we give thanks to God on Thanksgiving Day, we need to realize that God has made all things for himself. That it is so fitting to give him glory. Because he deserves it. Because he is infinitely more than anything else. I read very important Bible verses about that. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Even everyone that called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have made him for myself. Yea, for my glory have I made him. Or Romans 11. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. So the Bible teaches us that it's all about God's glory. What is the difference between God's glory and holiness? Well, God's glory is that God's holiness is, 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 is explained, is displayed. The glory of God. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. So let us think of God, who has no beginning, has no end. Can we wrap our heads around that? No beginning? Nobody made God. He has always been there. He is from eternity to eternity. And we today give him thanks. We call to do that. The everlasting God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? He is that most powerful God who is never tired, who is never exhausted, but continues with his work. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So God does also not depend upon us. He's independent, completely independent. As the Apostle Paul wrote or said, 
on Mars Hill. Neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything. He does not need anything. On Thanksgiving, he does not need us. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So think of the universe. The universe is extremely, almost infinitely big, isn't it? We have not found the, the, the end of it yet. It's getting bigger and bigger, people think. And the universe is nothing compared to God. All the galaxies together, immense distances, are as nothing compared to him. And that is the God we are supposed to give thanks to, to God who is infinite, infinite in worth, infinite in knowledge, in, in, in time, everything. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. So, rendering thanks to God is quite something. It means deep humility. When we approach into such an awe-inspiring God, who is beyond measure, no wonder that Job, when the Lord showed him the universe and showed him the stars, responded with, Behold, I am vile, what shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. So all the universe is compared to God as nothing. Uh, and all we are amazed about it. Nothing is before him less than nothing. And God is constantly present, or so today. He cannot change. He cannot improve. He cannot develop himself. There is no progress in God. There is a perfection that cannot be greater. He is the standard of all good things, of everything that is beautiful. He does whatever pleases him. He's wise, free from any constraints. He is the greatest, the most valuable in the universe. And God deserves our attention and our admiration and enjoyment as he is the most worthy God. So the Bible teaches that God is, is everywhere and that in the universe, he is on display. He's holy, incomparable. Think of the angels, the seraphims from Isaiah 6, verse 3. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What does it mean? to say holy, holy, holy. Holy means different, right? Holy means set apart, right? Holy people. 
Holy means such a different category, so beyond our comprehension, so incomparable as there is no one else like him. So the angels, when they sing holy, 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 they, they actually say, never seen someone like it. Everything, there is more than one. There are in California huge trees, sequoia trees so wide that uh, there can be a tunnel made in there. And you say, what a huge tree, and yet there are more trees like that. There's not only one. Maybe some a little smaller or a little different, but they are not unique. But there's nothing unique in truth. There's nothing that is only except God. So God is glorious. And not only glorious, he's also so forgiving. Right? So when, when we are here together on Thanksgiving Day, we need to realize also God's grace. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Do we have that in our mind today? But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. Or Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And 130, that is the hope in the Lord, for where the Lord is mercy and where him is plenty redemption. So there is infinite harmony in God. And harmony between his perfections. So having said this, nothing set aside in this world but is God. We need him. We need to be reconciled with him. We need to know him. We need to believe in him. We need to taste him. We need to feel him. He needs to be real to us so that in awe we render him thanks and that so the word of God, right? It says in verse 16, let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with melody, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, to the Lord, to, the, to God. It's amazing that we read in 1 Corinthians 10 that goes quite. It's quite a step, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So God needs to be everything. He needs to dwell richly in us. We need to know him. And in such a way that God means everything to us. And if he is not, that is sin. Sin is that God is not number one. Sin is that we don't really care for him. 
and don't believe in him. So that was the first thought. Let's go to the same thought, corporate worship. This God, the God we said a few things about, desires to be worshipped as God seeks his own well-deserved glory. He wants people to worship him corporately, not only private, in your bedroom, in your closet, on your knees, but also in church. We pray privately, we pray publicly, we worship privately and corporately. So we are in church today together to seek his face and to glorify him. That's the purpose of this service, right? But how does it work? How does the Holy Spirit work that in the heart? What is a mark of that true worshiping? Well, as we see in verse 16 again, let the word of Christ dwell in you. So that's the gospel. Let the gospel dwell in you. Let the gospel inhabit you. Let the gospel get into your heart. Let the gospel overwhelm you. That the gospel may be meditated upon. That the gospel may dwell richly in you. That you cannot keep the Bible closed. That you must read about him and hear about him. That the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So it means reading and hearing and meditating on the word of God, which is the word of Christ. Let the meditation of him be sweet. How can we render him thanks without knowing who he is and without having him in our heart? That he, through his word, inhabits us, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. We need wisdom based upon the Bible. The scriptures make wise into salvation. The gospel is given unto us to feel it, to taste it, to experience it, so that it comes out of our mouth singing. The result of through worship in the heart, the result of Christ dwelling in our hearts through the word is singing. Singing is the overflowing of the heart when we feel the worthiness of God and want to sing, want to sing. Sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So we should not only like the beautiful melodies, but more. Also singing, teaching, and admonishing one another. Do you see that one another? Let the word of Christ dwell in your history, personally, in our wisdom. But then teaching, admonishing one another. One another in Psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs 
sing with melody with grazing hearts to the Lord. So there are four reasons why we sing. We sing personally to God. When we sing from the heart unto him, to the Lord, you sing for him to his glory. You also sing to one another. So sing to God, sing to one another. When we, when we sing in church together, we have to also realize that we sing to the person next to me and before me and behind me and in this building. So we sing it to one another. Let us, let us sing together to his glory. Join us. Do it with me. Let us be corporate. But we do not only sing to the Lord and sing to one another. We also sing to ourselves. Ephesians 5, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Ephesians 5 is close to Colossians 3. And it adds there, speaking to yourself in Psalms. So we sing to God and we sing to one another and we sing to ourselves. Sing today to yourself. And it's not only to God and to one another and to yourself, it's also to sing to the Gentiles. To sing to people outside who somehow may hear, who somehow may know what the true worship of the Lord is. Romans 15. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Singing to God. So that means quite, quite something, right? Means that God is so worthy that the do it together. We sing together. And that we give him the glory he is so worthy to receive. Psalm 18. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Among the heathen. O Psalm 68. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth, O sing praises unto the Lord. So why do we do mission work? 
Why have some families been sent out from us to Bolivia? For the salvation of people? For the comfort of the people? To help the people through his life? Mainly that God may be glorified. It is about him. And what fits in here is the sermons on the Lord's Supper, on the, on the, on the, on the Lord's Prayer. Beginning with, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's first. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So the Lord Jesus taught his disciples and is teaching us that it's all about him. About his name, his kingdom, his glory, his will. And that's also today. In giving him thanks. What it should be is that Christ dwells in my heart. Richly, that is overflowing, that I can be quiet about it. That I sing personally to God. And that I say, people should listen to me, that praise him together, and that you sing also to yourself, and that you also know that the Gentiles should sing about him. Because that's Thanksgiving. And what will the Thanksgiving be in heaven, right? And God's people die. Younger ones or older ones, babies, elderly, when they're God's people and they go to heaven. Then they sing praises to that awe inspiring God and they will see God and feel so small. They'll sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they will sing to one another. And they will say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. They also will talk to themselves, Bless the Lord, O my soul. What a fullness that will be. And then the word of Christ will dwell richly in our wisdom. In our wisdom. Teaching and admonishing. The psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Did you know that not all psalms are psalms? Not all psalms in the Bible are psalms. There are also psalms in the Bible, there are songs, and miktams, and mashkils, and we even don't know what they exactly are. So, this includes the whole book of psalms, at least. Also, the songs included. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So it is about God, infant God, corporate worship, and it's a holy calling, our third thought. But you read this book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul wrote it in prison to the congregation of Colossae, where you read this a couple times, you say, it's interesting. There are so many prescriptive. What is a prescriptive? 
prescriptive is when someone prescribes something for you. So it is prescriptive, then you have to take it. It is prescribed to do so. So we read in this chapter as well many prescriptives. And also in our text. Commands. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth. Set your affection on things above. Mortify therefore your members which are upon earth. Put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Lie not to one another. See, those are prescriptive. And also in our text. Let the word of God, of Christ, dwell in you. And whatsoever ye do, do it. Do in word or deed. Do all. So we see that the Apostle Paul is encouraging the congregation of Colossae with action. He says, seek and don't lie and mortify and do it and sing and let the word of Christ dwell in you. So that it's a, that those are, that it's a calling, it's a holy calling. He doesn't say, well, I hope that you may be given to, to, to give thanks. He is quite strong and adamant. <clears throat> but you have to keep in mind that he is not preaching the law here. Maybe that's how it comes across. You have to do this, you have to seek and to modify, to sing and to dwell and to Set your affections and, be, and put on Christ and all those do, do, do things. You have to realize that the Apostle Paul is writing to God's people. Right? To God's people. Verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God. Verse 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, put on as the elect of God. So let me just be careful here. First, say to God's people among us, to the believers, don't sit still, mortify. Those members of the earth, mortify your sins and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't lie to one another and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Verse 15. So that was a command. Let the word of God fresh dwell richly in all wisdom. So he's Encouraging the church to glorify him and to seek him constantly. 
so that he may live in them, that he may dwell in them, that the word of God might dwell in them richly. But then after having said that, unbelieving friends, unconverted friends, what do you do with this chapter? You have realized that you need life. You should not pretend to be Christian. You should not act as if you are a Christian. And that's it. You should not fake it. That's dangerous. That's hard. That's impossible. And so many people have tried Christianity by doing those things. And it was a failure. It's, it's too hard. Nobody can do that, honestly. To just, from, our, from our own flesh, seeking God and seeking peace and seeking to, to hate sin and seeking to let the Word of God dwell in you, it, it's too much. It is beyond our ability. It discourages you. Right? And maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you say, maybe you say to me, I, I can't, Pastor. I, I, mean, I cannot. I, I, I try those things. But I cannot seek and I cannot mortify and I cannot let the Word of God richly live me. I just can't. So therefore, I need to tell you that you need to take this all seriously, but to seek it from God, to seek it from the Almighty One. You know, this chapter begins with, if ye then be risen with Christ, you need a new heart first. You need to know God first. You need to know the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to understand this chapter, in order to also practice this chapter. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore, therefore. So God is first. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. We must not be disobedient, but obedient in the deepest sense by grace. So Paul does not encourage unbelievers to act as if they would be. And yet, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in our wisdom. So that is fitting on Thanksgiving Day. The word of God, the gospel, is inhabiting us, that we are filled with, that we like it, that we treasure it, that we love it, that we open it all the time, that it's part of, my, of, of our lives, that we cannot be happy with, with, with anything else. So let him dwell in you, bathe your heart in the word, Open the Bible. 
Say, Lord, I'm called and I cannot. Give me the grace and seek salvation then. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See? So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, people of God, by the mercy of God, live unto him. Because everything that is not by faith is sin. Without that grace, it is hypocrisy. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So it begins with the word, right? The true worshiping we are called to begins with the word. And the word of God is heard. And the word of God is applied and lands in my heart. And it is moving the heart and changing the heart. And then it becomes such a power of God into salvation in my heart that it gets out of my mouth. And I begin to sing songs of penitence. And I cry unto the Lord. But also the Lord gives also to sing his praises for the, for the, for, for the forgiveness there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 69. I will praise the name of God with song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. So called to worship him, called to magnify him. Now, magnify God does not sound strange. How can we magnify God? Think of a microscope. You have heard it before. A microscope. And there's a human cell. You cannot see with the naked eye. And you put it under the microscope and you say, oh, beautiful. And there's so much life in one cell. So immensely complicated. People see now way more than they could before with nanotechnology, right? And then you have magnified something that is small, you just enlarge it and magnify it so you can see it. Is that the same as magnifying God? That God is so small, you make him bigger? No. Of course not. If, if you used uh, something with lenses, I, I would think of a telescope. And you just find a star or a galaxy and that is not visible with the naked eye either. It is so far away. It's so big. But you make it 
you can you begin to closer. So you can see it and stand in awe and say, I see it now. I see something. It is awe-inspiring. And so the Lord desires to be magnified so that you see him and glorify him and that you are, that you are struck by him. An infant God, corporate worship, a holy calling for God's people, but indirectly also a calling to all of us. And then finally, in Jesus' name, the congregation is fitting to sing unto God, to sing to one another, to sing to yourself, to sing to the Gentiles from the heart when the heart overflows because of that word of Christ dwells in you so richly you cannot be quiet about it anymore. Oh, let that word of Christ dwell in you richly in our wisdom so teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, Singing with grace in Ephesians, it says, with melody in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word of deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it is thanksgiving to God. It is thanksgiving in covenant worship. It is thanksgiving you call to, but it is the thanksgiving in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Because we cannot give thanks to God without him. We need him. It is by him. Not by ourselves. And there's quite an emphasis in this chapter on Christ, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Because it is by him that we can give thanks. And without the Lord Jesus, you can't even give thanks to him. So not only seeing, by the way, it's also doing things. And whatsoever you do, thanksgiving is not only singing, thanksgiving is also doing things. What you do in word or deed. So Thanksgiving Day entails quite something. Not only singing, also acting and doing things. This whole chapter talks about it. Do all things giving thanks to God and the Father, namely the Father. God is the Father. Do all things giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, with Him in our mind. Thanksgiving with Christ in our mind. Thanksgiving in trusting in Him. Thanksgiving in hiding in him. 
For by him were all things created by Christ, yes. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. By Christ and for Christ. By Jesus, for Jesus. So the Lord Jesus has a central place in thanksgiving. Because we give thanks to God and the Father by him. Hebrews 7. Something to compare with. Therefore, he, Christ, is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. To come unto God by him. Don't even dare to come to God without him. You don't survive. You can't be heard. He's a consuming fire. You always need to go to head to God by Him. You also need to give thanks to God and the Father by Him. And I suppose there are people among us this morning saying, I can't give thanks. I'm such a poor thanksgiver. I just feel the lack, I feel the insincerity, I feel so much that's against me in my heart. Right. There is a high priest on the right hand of the Father, and he gives thanks. So why don't you go to God and the Father by him? Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So that the, the verse by him, are in, are the opening of the verse, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of our lips. So let us take refuge into the Lord Jesus in order to sing praises. So I, I hear someone saying, I hear the Apostle Paul saying, I can't give thanks. I can't praise God. I can't glorify Him. I can't worship Him. Only by Him. 1 Peter 1. Who by Him do believe in God. See that? Who by him do believe in God. They can't even believe. But they believe in him. By him. Who by him do believe in God. So you see it so clear that it is by grace only. 
It's not so that we're preaching on Colossians 3. We are just encouraging people to behave as if they were a child of God. No way. I'm not encouraging you to act as if you are. To fake it. We should repent in dust and ashes. And say, Lord, I can't. But the Lord will say, by him. Come unto me by him. Don't come unto me by yourself, but come by him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Relying on him. Oh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Singing in the heart. Congregation, we have such a great God. He is so immense and majestic. We have no idea. Not only we are dust and ashes, like we have heard yesterday evening. The galaxies are dust and ashes. I mean, mean nothing compared to who God is. He is so awe-inspiring. He is holy. He is righteous. He must punish sin. But he has given his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that his word may dwell in your wrestling. So also today, if you have some time to also privately worship him, you may bow your knees this afternoon and say, Lord, Thanksgiving Day. I take some time to thank thee. Do it. Take some time to thank the Lord for all the blessings bestowed on you. And then incorporate this chapter. Say, Lord, I've heard. If he did then be risen with Christ, but may be raised with him. Give us room in my heart for him. Set your affections all things above. So ask the Lord to help you with that, to work that with his spirit in you. And then to whatever you do, invert indeed to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, in his name. I was finished with preparing the sermon, I thought, like yesterday, now, is there something practical for the young people in here? Maybe. What do you sing? What music do you listen to? Does that fit in here? Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What do you sing? Sing is something that comes out of the heart, right? So I can tell who you are if you tell me what music you like. So what music do you like? I can tell you that that's you, that's you. That's why you like it. So maybe you should just stop that and say, Lord, I want a different type of music. I want this. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with grace in hearts to the Lord. 
and then do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Right? Because music can also stand in the way. Music has something special. It can be an instrument of God to get to your heart, to get to your feelings. And that's a part of worship. We have to sing. If someone says there's not singing anymore in church, I have to say it is an essential part of the worship service. It's not so that we have a sermon, we say, have a sermon. Now we are so tired of listening, let us just for entertainment sing something, a kind of, kind of an, inter, an interlude, intermission. No, no, it's, it's really part of it. That's why in some churches in Holland, in NSC, I'm not recommending that, but in some churches they say, let us not do collections, let me see. Do the collections afterwards or before. And then it's quiet in the congregation. There's no sing, only organ, the organ, and they, you hear the money and they fall into the bags, and there's no sing. And then the collections are done, they start singing. You know, I think they make one mistake. Putting the money in the bag is also worship service. There's also sacrificing. In thankfulness, right? So I don't think that this that this that is wrong to sing during the collection. But they make a point. They make the point of that singing is an essential part of the worship service. So from now on, you come in church and we'll sing a few a few more songs. Sing consciously. Sing. Hopefully in this way. And that you may sing also in response to the sermon. That the, 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 the word of God may dwell in you richly. And because it is dwelling in you richly, you have to get it out. You have to sing about it. One more text. I don't want to end negatively, but Behold, my servants shall sing. My servants, my people, shall sing for joy of heart. But ye shall cry for sorrow of heart and shall howl for vexation of spirit. You know, if you don't learn to sing here, you won't sing after your death either. You will howl. You will cry for sorrow. It will be over. So it is essential that you learn to sing unto God by Him, the precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who also sang with the disciples in that upper room. When they had ended the song, the, 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 the singing, they went to the Garden of Olives. Congregation, whatsoever you do, 
in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even eating and drinking. Even the most normal things. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Amen.